of Leafs Lunch continues here on PSN 1050. I'm Mike DiStefano, and I've got Luca Celebre with me here, filling in for Julia Tashiri, who's on the World Junior Beat. And we got a Leaf game tonight, though. Well, it's a Canada game, too. Canada should uh, should should absolutely roll in, in their game tonight. So should the Maple Leafs. I mean, they're going up against the Arizona Coyotes, who... I mean, they're not a terrible team. They're not as bad as we thought they would be. They've actually been a rather respectable team. Like, a dignified tank job, perhaps, is, is what the Coyotes have been, uh, have been doing this year. Is that a, is that a proper way to say that? Yeah, that, that checks out. They've won three in a row, though. They're, uh, they're playing pretty well right now, beating some, some decent teams, coming off a 6-3 win against the Avs, so that's got to have the confidence up. But uh, Dylan Gunther now playing at the World Juniors instead of playing with the Coyotes, so you, you lose some scoring there. But, uh, but yeah, they've, they've been respectably tanking. I like that assessment of, of what they're doing. So I'm curious, as, as someone who, who had just watched this team play when you watch them play Colorado the other night it was a 6-3 win as you mentioned um you know who stood out to you who's uh, who's a guy that's kind of ro- rolling right now for for Arizona you know what I I feel like this guy's career kind of started a little slow but Lawson Kraus has the oh, last yeah. couple of seasons he's been really really good and I think he's kind of lived up to his draft draft day billing where he was selected it wasn't looking good early on in his career but uh, it's it's important to remember that sometimes it it just takes time with these guys and i know another guy on that team barrett hayden it, it looks like things are just not progressing in the right direction with him former fifth yeah. overall pick but who knows maybe maybe his game translates and turns around but kraus and clayton keller is point per game guy i feel like he he kind of gets lost in the shuffle as far as um some of the more talented players in hockey and considering kind of the position he's in playing in arizona there's obviously um i don't want to say there's no talent around him because there is but it's not like the elite level talent that most first line stars play with and um he still manages to just put up points in in that situation so clayton keller is is awesome i love watching him too yeah, he's a good player. Um, and grew up with Austin Matthews, so good good friend of Matthews. I think they skate together and play, uh, you know, in the summers in Arizona. Um, you know, for for me, a, a lot of people don't realize how good Karel Vimelka is. I feel, and we're gonna have Craig Morgan on in just a couple of moments, but you know, he's a really good quality goaltender who doesn't get talked about enough. Like I was digging into his numbers, and his surface level stats don't jump off the page at you with 309 goals against and 910 save percentage. But he's third in the NHL, despite allowing that many goals. Still third in the NHL in goal saved above expected. Wow! Like that's how poor this Yotes team plays defensively. That Vomalka is still top three in goal saved above expected, despite having a 309 goals against average. Like that's doesn't that just say something to you? <laughs> it is nuts. And, like they give up a lot of high danger scoring opportunities and. You know, Toronto's been known to uh, to generate a whole lot. I think tonight they'll be able to maybe take advantage and feast there. They're second in the NHL in high-danger goals per 60. But a couple of interesting notes uh, about tonight. The lineup look a little different. Morgan Riley will return, as we've talked about throughout the show, if you've missed it. Um, not going to be on the first power play unit, though. Uh, is on PP2, but the Leafs selecting to roll with the five-man forward power play unit uh, for, for the time being. So we'll see how that looks tonight. But Dryden Hunt 
will be making his debut as well on the fourth line. Um, he was acquired for Dennis Mulgan a couple weeks ago, has yet to crack the lineup, um, and will now get an opportunity to play and make his debut for the Maple Leafs. I mean, what again, uh, since you are a Colorado guy, you know a little bit more about Dryden Hunt than maybe a, a lot of people in Leafs Nation. So, you know, you excited to finally get to see what he can do here in a Leafs uniform tonight? I mean, it was a short stint in Colorado, so we, we didn't get to see the... the uh... Oh, large games? sample size in, <laughs> yes, I guess, kind of mediumish sample size. No. What do you think? Does does he get a tribute video tomorrow? <sighs> I don't think so. I don't yeah, think enough. so. I think uh, I think he's not getting one. I I don't think Connor Timmons is getting one tonight in Arizona. But I think Connor Timmons will get one from the Avs on Saturday night. Which honestly, I keep forgetting that it's it's New Year's Eve and the Avs and Leafs are going at it and. Uh, I'm so excited for it, although I'd be more excited if McKinnon was playing. Yeah, that'll be a good game. That'll be a good game. But, uh, you know, tonight I think is, again, important. Toronto can't be looking forward because mm-hmm. Arizona, they're playing some good hockey right now. They just took down the Avalanche the other night, and they'll look to take down another Titan here in the Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, to join us to talk about that game is Craig Morgan, writer for uh, Phoenix Sports, covering the Arizona Coyotes. Craig, how's it going? I'm great. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing uh, we're doing pretty well. We were just talking about Connor Timmons, and you know, since he got traded to Toronto, things have actually gone pretty swimmingly. It took him a couple of weeks to get into the lineup, but since then, uh, he's fit in pretty well and looks like a, an NHLer. I mean, why why didn't this work out in in Arizona? And is there any chatter about you know just the fact that that trade is working out so well for Toronto? Is there any? Any hint from the fan base that they're a little upset about how that whole thing went down? Yeah, I think so. And this this one, I think, was hard to understand for, for a couple of reasons. The Coyotes don't have a, a heck of a lot of depth in their prospect system on, on defense. And then when you look at the fact that he's a young, big, right-handed defenseman, and you just wonder why the Coyotes were were willing to move on from him. Um, I know that they, they thought about waiving him. What they really thought he needed was to play a lot of games in a lot of situations in the AHL. They really thought that that was best for his development. And they may prove right. Look, we'll see what happens when Toronto gets healthy, if, if Connor Timmons is actually in the same role once the Leafs are fully healthy. I, I, no, I, have, I have doubts about that. And then if he gets slotted into you know a third-pair role with not playing a lot of minutes, Will that be good for his development? I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it all lays out. But with with regard to uh, the, the Coyotes, they, it, again, it comes back to they just felt like he wasn't ready to be a, a regular NHLer yet. You can look at this team and say, well, there was certainly a spot for him on the Coyotes' blue line with what the team trying to do right now. But did they want to put him in that situation? Did they think that that was best for his development, to be in those tough minutes on a team that's, quite frankly, got to give up a lot of shots be playing a lot of defense i don't know that that was their analysis we'll see how it works out but it it you just hope for the best for connor tim and I, I got to know him a little bit really got to know his dad well great family you just hope yeah. it's out with all that he's been through with the injuries 
Yeah, the injuries were... I remember I'm an Avalanche fan and supporter, and when he was in Colorado, you always saw the flashes, but um, it always seemed like an injury just happened at the worst time for him, and he was supposed to be one of the big pieces in that Kemper trade that, that Arizona got back. So, um, like you said, just happy to happy to see him succeeding and thriving. Um, the Coyotes are thriving right now, too. Three wins in a row, a big win against those Avs, 6-3. Um, I think a lot of people, when they talk about this team, they talk talk about either just the, the their chances at Connor Bedard or the atmosphere at Mullet Arena. So what's that been like and, and what are what are some of the maybe surprises of the atmosphere that you've noticed, maybe the, the challenges covering the team in Mullet Arena, anything like that that insight that you can give us? <laughs> well first of all the challenge of covering them is that the, the there's no real press box for NHL games. There's a small press box for college but the NHL has basically commandeered that for all of its people. So we sit along the rail just above the concourse. And whenever there's action, the fans stand in front of us. So <laughs> you're left to look at screens and try and figure out what the heck's happening in front of you. But look, that's yeah, first world problems, right? It's, it's not that big a deal. We're, we're working around it. It's unbelievable to be basically in the 14th row of, of an arena watching a hockey game. It's a whole different perspective than I've had really ever. As a media member, usually you're way up in the catbird seat watching the game from a different perspective. So you, you get an appreciation for the speed and the physicality of the game. And, and really, the, you just get a, a better vibe. Um, there's just so much more atmosphere, so much more excitement when you're down there. So that's what I'd say about covering it. Um, but as far as the Coyotes, guys, this isn't the plan. <laughs> they're, playing, they're playing too well right now. They are... Uh, they're, they're not positioned to get Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli, even Leo Carlson right now because they're playing too well, particularly in this arena where they're 6-3-2 and two, and I believe 5-1-1 one, and one in their last seven games. They're taking advantage of this atmosphere where I think it's an adjustment for visiting teams that come in for the first time because it feels like everything's right on top of you because you don't have that upper bowl. And it's, it's a raucous atmosphere, but... Like I said, the, the whole plan here was with the rebuild was this was the draft. This was the time that you want to get to the top of the draft. And now, at least at this point in the season, they are not in position for that. Well, so how bittersweet is it to see a guy like Carl Vimalka, you know, the goaltender who seemingly is, is stealing some games here for uh, for Arizona this season? I mean, it's got to be good to know, like, okay, we drafted, developed this goalie, and he actually looks like he might be pretty solid. You got him signed up long term. But at the same time, he might be costing you Connor Petard. <laughs> yes, that, is, that has definitely been a, a point of discussion in this market among the fan base because Vemelka has been terrific this season, and he has absolutely stolen them some games when they probably had no business winning them. So it's tough, right? Because you, you wonder, you look down the road, how many goaltenders sustain elite level of play for an extended period of time? Will Karel Vemelka even be part of this franchise, a key part of this franchise, when they get to the point where they're emerging from this rebuild. It, it's tough. And I know there's been some speculation that the Coyotes might look to trade him. I'm just not sure if the, the body of work on Vemelka is big enough where the return would be worthwhile for the Coyotes. There's also, you know, the morale thing to consider. When, when Carter Hutton was playing early last season and really struggling, it just hurt the morale of the team so much. And I think they're cognizant of that. You want to at least have a chance with your goaltender, but... Like you said, the flip side is you're you're getting too good at goaltending. I'm like like the Chicago Blackhawks right now, <laughs> who are or expertly tanking right now. You're you're not in position for 
the ultimate goal of this season to get one of those you know franchise centers at the top of the draft. Well, especially after seeing like the way that he and Dylan Genther seemed to play and, and connect last night. Wouldn't it be nice if you Oof. could solidify Bedard and then have that duo going forward to lead Arizona for the next, what, 10, 15 years? Guys, I have covered this franchise for a very long time, and arguably the only number one, true number one center that they have ever had is Jeremy Roenick when he came over from the Blackhawks way back when, right when this franchise arrived. It's been a long, long drought without that guy in the top. You guys know as well as anyone how important that is to being a contender, how important it is to be you know, a cup winner. You look at all the teams that have done it over the past really two decades, you got to have that guy at the top of the lineup. So, yeah, it would be unbelievable to cover and watch a player like Connor Bedard playing alongside of a, just a pure goal scorer like Dylan Gunther. Yeah, keep your paws off Matthews in a couple of years, by the way. Just just wanted to say that. <laughs> Go ahead, Luke. We're talking with Craig Morgan, right? Morgan, rather, writer for Phoenix Sports covering the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, Jacob Chikrin, back in the lineup. He's playing really well. I, I feel like it's a name that we've all been just tracking for the last year and a half, waiting for the move to happen. Where is he going to go? Is he going to stay? What's the package like? Um, do you expect a move in the near future? any rumblings as we, I guess, get closer into the new year and the deadline will be quickly approaching the next major kind of landmark on the calendar? You know, it's funny. You, you hear the, these ebbs and flows of reports. Oh, talks are heating up with Jacob Chikrin. <laughs> talks have cooled off. It's, it's, it, it's never really that, right? The talks yeah. are just ongoing. I, I know that there are a bunch of teams that have expressed interest, I think five or six, with serious interest. Whether it happens or not is all going to depend, again, on the asking price. Bill Armstrong isn't budging off of that. And the longer Jacob Chicken plays the way he's playing, the more justified you feel, especially when you look at some of the trades that happened over the, the past year that he's looking at in terms of setting the value of Jacob Chicken. They're going to want a, a couple of first-round picks. They're going to want probably, in addition to that, a second-round pick or a prospect. So that's the asking price. And, and his history, I know it's a short history in Arizona, but – he does not budge off his asking prices, and if you look at his track record with some of the other deals, you mentioned the Darcy Kemper deal. I, I heard so many people saying they'll never get a first-round pick for Darcy Kemper. Well, they did. Bill held, held firm on that. The only thing that I would say is, like, if, if, if this doesn't happen by the trade deadline, I would, I would keep a, a real eye out at, at the draft, and that's where things could change a little bit. If you, if you get a team that comes in you know, that says, we'll give you our first-round pick, and it's already slotted at, say, number 10. Right. That's certainty, right? It, it's not just, oh, where's this first-round pick going to fall? Is it going to be like 27 or something like that? You know you've got a high first-round pick in an excellent draft. That's where the price could change a little bit for Jacob Chikrin. I'm curious what, uh, how active Arizona plans to be or if you have any knowledge of, of how active they plan to be at least. like, Is this a, a kind of a fire sale situation between now and the deadline? Are there some untouchables here that they've got on the roster? How much movement do you expect uh, – Arizona and Bill Armstrong to, or how active do you expect them to be between now and the deadline? Oh, as active as he can be, and he hasn't hidden that at all. They've been the past two seasons. They've been acquiring players with the express intent of flipping them to get more draft assets or possibly to get prospects. So, in addition to Jacob Chikrin, and I mentioned, you know, the sort of the dark horse Karel Bemelka, if somebody's really willing to pay for that sort of goaltending, if they get in a situation where they need it badly, he could move. But in addition to those two guys, you look at Shane Gostisbehere, who 
somehow the Coyotes literally got from Philadelphia for nothing. Literally gave up nothing. He had 51 points last season. He's going to eclipse that this year. Watching him play with Jacob Chikrin, those two are magic together. I have to believe Gostas Bear is another guy that they're looking at. And then you look at a couple maybe guys down the lineup, depending on what team's needs are and depending on what Bill feels about the return versus what they bring the team. Uh, Nick Butestad has been so important in this room. Just such, literally one of the nicest guys I've ever met. And it's just rubbing off on this team. And then Nick Ritchie, if he can regain his early season form, you, you know, there, there's value for a, a big body around the net like Nick Ritchie who can score those garbage goals. Former Leaf, I know. Uh, I know Al's brother here has watched him a whole lot. He he got his chance on the on the first line with the Leafs, which was um, a surprise at the time, and it didn't really work out. But he's he's had a productive year, and I believe in that first meeting of the season, he scored against the Leafs. Did he not? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's weird, isn't it? You can't you can't succeed with Austin Matthews and and uh, Mitch Marner, but you come and come to Arizona with a rebuilding team, and suddenly you catch fire, and you're you've got your scoring touchback. Yeah, and I I don't know how some to explain some of the things I see in the NHL. It's just hey, the way it goes sometimes. Tyler Boyd doing the same thing. Yeah. Tyler Boyd becomes a top-line yeah, player once yeah, he comes yeah. to Arizona. Uh, we're chatting with Greg Morgan, a writer for, for uh, Phoenix Sports, covering the Arizona Coyotes. So we got the game tonight, Leafs and uh, and Yotes. It's the first time Toronto's going to be at Mullet Arena, so now I'm excited to see what, what that atmosphere will be like but you know what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge for the coyotes who will be hosting the leafs tonight well those two guys who i just mentioned right i mean toronto's got so much firepower it's this has been one of the best teams in the league all season but for whatever reason and it really happens more so in toronto than it happens here the coyotes get up for the leafs it really means a lot to them you guys know the the ridiculous record that the coyotes have after the past over the past dozen games in toronto i think they're 10 0 and 2 in their past 12 games in Toronto, yep. but seven and five against them in Arizona over that same stretch, they get up for this team. They, and they, their history this season is they really get up for the big teams. They've had some shocking upsets over top teams in the NHL this season. So I expect it to be a, a really good game. You guys have probably heard that this is one of the fastest ice services in the NHL. So it's going to be a fast game. It's probably going to be a lot of fun to watch. We're we're talking uh, about the NHL, obviously, but we got the World Juniors going on, and there are some Coyotes prospects there, um, and there's also Coyotes prospects in the lineup that have succeeded at the highest level at the World Juniors, specifically Barrett Hayden. I know a lot of people have been watching him and following kind of his his career, his young career in the NHL, former fifth overall pick. Um, seemed like he had a promising season last year, but the production just doesn't seem to be there this year. Watching him every day, what do you think? is maybe missing from his game or where do you kind of see his future outlook um, beyond this season? As far as what's missing, it's just the confidence in the finish. Uh, this last game, literally the last game when they beat the Avalanche, Andre Turney said that was probably his best game this season. So he's doing a lot of things in other areas of the game that they really like. And, and honestly, if you ask Andre about him, he'll, he'll tell you he likes what Barrett Hayton has given him. The problem with Hayton is that he's always going to be viewed through the draft lens as the number five overall pick. Did they did they reach there? Well, maybe they did. I mean, we might be getting to the point where we say, yeah, number five was, was too high for Barrett Hayton. But if you take that away and you just look at what he can bring to the team in the future, maybe as a middle six center, maybe as a number three center, well, you need those in the NHL too. And Barrett Hayton looks like he has a really good 
set to fill that role. So if that's what he becomes in the NHL, again, you need those guys, and maybe that's okay. It's not like he's under some massive contract. I know the expectations are still there for him to be something else, but if he doesn't become that, it's okay if Barrett Hayton is a number two or number three center. I got one more question for you here, Craig. Uh, Which Arizona-based goal scorer will finish with the most goals at the end of the year? Is it Tate Thompson in Buffalo or our guy Austin Matthews here in Toronto? <laughs> wow. I, I, my money's still on Austin. That's what I'll say. Maybe I'm just pandering to your audience right now. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, Austin Matthews, just his shot. So many people have talked about how he may be the best shooter in the game today. So my money is going to be on him. But, wow, Tate Thompson has really come out of nowhere. And, and, and funny thing you guys probably know, Bill Armstrong was the director of amateur scouting in St. Louis when they drafted Tate, and he will go on and on about how he saw this coming, how they believed that this was possible, but they knew it would take a little longer because of his size and and, uh, growing into that frame. But two guys with Arizona ties really ripping it up in the NHL. Uh, Don't think many people would have expected to say that maybe 20 years ago. No, I don't think so. Just goes to show that maybe, you know, it does work having hockey in those non-traditional markets, and Matthew Nyes could be that next guy. I know a lot of Toronto Maple Leaf fans are hoping that to be the case <laughs> at the very least. Yeah. Uh, thank you so yeah, much for joining us. When he came here. Yeah, I would Sorry. imagine so. I would he imagine so. He played with the University of Minnesota against ASU. He was unbelievable. That second game against ASU, he was literally the best player on the ice. Matthew Nyes, he was just a beast. <laughs> love to hear that. Absolutely love to hear that. Well, appreciate you taking the time, Craig. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. Hopefully... Not too many people stand up and, and block your view. Hopefully you can see all the outstanding plays made tonight, pal. I'm height challenged too, guys, so that doesn't help. Oh, same here, buddy. Same here. It's a challenge sometimes. <laughs> it really is. All right, we'll chat again soon. All right, guys. Happy New Year. All right. Craig Morgan, you as well. Craig Morgan, writer for Phoenix Sports, covering the Arizona Coyotes. Um Leafs Lunch is brought to you in part by 241 Pizza. Enjoy plant-based garden pesto pizza, pizza and wings, pizza and penne combo, and more. Visit 241pizza.com. You brought up Barrett Hayden, and it's, it's, you know, it's really interesting having these discussions. We always have it around World Juniors because I feel like a lot of prospects, when they have an extremely successful World Juniors, we always project, like, okay, they're going to do this in the NHL. And then they have sky-high expectations that they're going to be superstars. I remember Cody Hodgson was another guy mm. who had an outstanding um, World Juniors that one year. I think he tied or broke a record or something for points in a tournament at the time. And I remember everyone think like, okay, he's arrived. He's going to be a, a stud number one center for the Vancouver Canucks. That's never happened. Like, it just didn't really turn out to be the case. And Barrett Hayton is another guy who had an outstanding World Junior Tournament a couple of years ago and just has not yet translated that into the NHL and has become a stud. And it happens all the time where guys have unbelievable tournaments uh, for whatever reason and then just can't quite find that level of play again once they get to the NHL when they're playing against the best of the best, not just in their age group, but the best of the best in the uh, in the entire world. And Barrett Hayton, by the way, former Sioux Greyhound, which means probably future <laughs> oh, Maple Leaf goodness. at some point. Here we I'll go. say that. Yeah, Barrett go. Hayton will be a future Maple Leaf at some point. I can goodness. almost almost guarantee it.
it's it's funny you mentioned the the whole conversation surrounding these players though because like when i was a kid jordan Everly was the guy he oh, was the perfect. guy. And you know what? Not to say that he's not a good player because he has had a solid NHL career. But if you were just taking his World Juniors performance and saying, what, like, what is his NHL gonna, career going to look like? What are we going to project for this guy? You would probably think he's going to be a superstar caliber player because of what he was doing on that stage. And it's a good reminder that... This is just, these are junior hockey players going up against junior hockey players. And a lot of the times, the Canadian players and the U.S. players, they're playing with a lot of future NHLers, current NHLers, against a lot of different teams that don't have any prospects on any NHL team, or maybe one or two. And they're the same age as these guys. So um, it it is a good reminder of that fact. And it also is a good reminder, too, that, uh, like Craig said, these guys can carve out roles in different ways to impact teams. Maybe not in the projection that we thought for a top-five pick, but maybe still showing value in just a different way. Yep, that's true, too. Joey Hicketts was also one who had an outstanding, unfortunately, has not really done much uh, in, in the NHL. But he was someone who had a great, yeah. uh, great one. Another former uh, Canadian World Junior, by the way, Sam Gagne, playing in his 1,000th game tonight with the uh, the Winnipeg Jets. So he'll play. I I believe they play tonight. I believe. Yes. Yeah, play Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. So he'll play in his 1,000th game against uh, a former team of uh, of his in the Vancouver Canucks. So not uh, not too shabby for uh, for Sam Gagne. Congratulations to him. All right, Luca. On the other side. We're going to get to our Thursday three-pack, and this year, with the new year coming up this weekend, we're looking at some Maple Leafs New Year's resolutions. So we'll have that conversation on the other side. I'm Mike DiStefano with Luca Celebre from Bar Down. You're listening to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Matthews has done it again! Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. So we had Julia on not too long ago in the first hour. You can go check out that conversation wherever you get your podcast from. Um, it was a fun one. It was, it was nice to catch up with JT. And we legitimately haven't had a show together since before I went on vacation, which was December 8th, maybe? It was the last time we had a show together. So, like, more. It's been three weeks. It's like over three That's weeks crazy. since we've had a show together. It's it is. It's insane. Um, so it's nice to be able to chat with her, and you know she's out uh, out east watching the World Junior Championships, covering the World Juniors. There'll be a game tonight on TSN four. Um, Canada take it on uh, Latvia. But the Maple Leafs made the news yesterday, and we were chatting with her about Toronto and how they got this hundred thousand dollar fine for um, traveling on the twenty sixth to. St. Louis. I'm going to read out exactly what the NHL uh, public relations tweeted out. 
um, in terms of this. It says, the NHL announced today that it has fined the Toronto Maple Leafs organization $100,000 for the team's travel to St. Louis on December 26, 2022. The team activity was in violation of Article 16.5B of the collective bargaining agreement between the NHL and the NHLPA. The fine money goes to the NHL Foundation. So, because the Maple Leafs left at about 10.30 at night, and I think the actual departure time was like 10.17 or something like that, 10.12 maybe, instead of after midnight, the Leafs were fined $1,000 for this because the collective bargaining agreement states that no team activities can occur from the 24th through to the 26th, or to the 27th rather, um, at midnight I suppose. And because they did it a couple hours early, slap with a thousand dollar fine. Like, what are your thoughts on this whole situation, Luca? I, I get it. Like, you gotta you gotta enforce the rules and all that stuff. But it's just like, what what are we doing here? It's like an hour and a half later. If they would have flown out, they would have been fine. And then instead, they get a hundred thousand dollar fine. Like they're flying off the east coast. They, I, I'm sure the players don't want to fly at midnight. Like just lay ease up a little for an hour and a half. Like I get it if they flew in in the morning. Like fair. Like that, find them then. That's fine in my books. But I don't know. It just seems ridiculous. It just seems um, dumb. So I a personal like honestly I I don't really care about a hundred thousand dollar fine. I don't think the Maple Leafs care about the hundred thousand dollar fine either. And ultimately, like we'll, we'll never know this because they're not in the room. But I would assume there was a conversation had with the with the players that said, "Hey, we have two options. Would do you would you rather go the night before and get a full sleep and then wake up and go about our day, or would you rather travel on the game day and have to wake up early, battle morning traffic to get to the airport mm-hmm. for seven eight a.m. to fly into St. Louis, go through border customs, or would you rather go the night before and not have to deal with all that um, and you can you know go about your day normally?" And I would assume, again, I don't have that knowledge, but good chance that the, the team itself was like, yeah, let's do this. So to me, I almost look at this as, do you remember, uh, this was almost as if, what was the clip that, um, was the, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, what's his name again? Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban. Remember the clip of Mark Cuban where they told him that he had to pay a fine that was going to charity because he dropped an F-bomb on uh, live television on some, like, telethon, charity telethon. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, I, because I swore and I said the F-word? And he's like, yeah. Do you want to do it again? And he's like, F it, sure. And just, like, literally, that's what it seemed like the Maple Leafs did. They're like, what? We'll get a $100,000 fine. They knew this was coming. I guarantee you the team knew this was coming. Yeah. And they just looked at it and said, F it. I don't care. Like, this is worth it. Our players prefer to do this, most likely. I don't know that for a fact, but most of them prefer to do this travel, and it costs them $100,000, and it didn't impact their game day. And they end up with a victory, so they end up with the full two points. I think it was well worth it to them. What I would say about this whole situation, though, is if you're going to have cross-border, cross-time zone travel, granted they gained an hour, I guess, going to St. Louis, but still, like, don't have those games on the 27th. If you're going to have games on the 27th and not allow travel on the 26th, make them, like, regional close games. Have it be against Ottawa or have it be against Buffalo. Don't make them have to cross the border and cross a whole time zone 
and cross halfway across you know the continent essentially to have this game. That's where I have the issue with it. It's like you know Boston. I think Boston had to go into Ottawa. That's not that far away. Um, I know that Toronto. There, this happened to Philly as well back in 2015. But ultimately, for me, I, I think that if you're going to have this travel ban, I guess on the 26th, don't make people travel so far for the next for the game the next day. That totally makes sense. It, like, it's make your make everyone's lives easier when you make the. And I know scheduling is a mess and it's difficult to deal with sometimes. But if this is like a rule that is implemented and. Um, I'm sure teams know that, like you said, then just make it easier for them. Yeah, either don't schedule games on the 27th and make that a travel day, or make all the games close and make them like regional rivalry-type games coming out of the break where you're playing either, like I said, if it's Toronto, Ottawa, or Buffalo, or if it's Montreal, you're playing Montreal and and Ottawa, or it's the Battle of Alberta, which I mm-hmm. believe we actually did have. We that did get day. that, yeah. We did get that, or and then you know maybe you would have L.A. and Anaheim playing against each other. You know what I mean? That's what would make the most sense. But say Levy, they get the hundred thousand dollar fine. They are going to pay it. Sheldon Keefe, he gets fined twenty five k. That's going to get paid as well. Um, and well, we no longer need to talk about this, but it's something <laughs> I wanted to discuss quickly and get off my chest. I just think that it's the league should be at fault too a little bit for this, just based on how the schedule is and yeah, is what it is. Anyways, let's get to the Thursday three pack. Count to three. Yeah. That's your big advice. Count to three. Yeah. Whenever you get scared about anything, you just do this. You just count to three and then do it. So I give you to the count of three. One, two, three, not only you and me, got 180 degrees, and I'm caught in between. All right, the Thursday three-pack. We do this every week, Luca. We have uh, three options this week. So we're doing the Maple Leafs New Year's resolution, and we have three resolutions for Toronto for the year 2023. Uh, I'll let you start. Give me one of your resolutions that you have for the Maple Leafs in the upcoming new year? Well, I think we've got a couple of the same ones here, or at least I'm going to assume we do. The first one is make it past the first round. Win a playoff (laughs) round. Get that stat out of the universe for the foreseeable future and just end all those conversations and memes and jokes about your franchise that you just can't get out of the first round. So that is the top of the list. It's the easiest one. It's the biggest one. Just do it. Yeah, we've had more worldwide pandemics since 2005 than uh, playoff round victories. <laughs> it only took one. That's all it took was one pandemic. Wow. You got, you got to make light of a, of a dark situation there, Luca. That's the number one rule rule to comedy there. Um, but, yes, that is also one of my New Year's resolutions. Let's win a playoff round. Let's win a round. Let's make it happen. Let's maybe even try and win the division, give yourself a better opportunity to win that round by getting a crossover team as opposed to having to play either a Tampa or a Boston in that 2-3 seed matchup. Um, But winning a playoff round to me has to be – I mean, this is the goal for – no, the goal is the Stanley Cup. Mm -hmm. That's the goal. The Stanley Cup is is, is what the goal is. But step one to getting there is to win a round, and that to me is – a necessity for this team because again if this is another first round exit another first round elimination under the shanna plan the dubis 
uh, Keefe era, the Matthews Marner era. I don't think next year, like, I, I, they're out of chances. Like, next year will be different. This offseason, things will have to change. I don't know if that's all the way at the top with Shanahan. If Dubis is out, which means Keefe probably might have to join him because that's typically what happens. The coach has to go with the new GM. The, the new general manager typically wants their guy. Do we see one of the big four get traded and get moved out to change the core of this team, change the trajectory? You know, Does Austin Matthews sign that extension this summer? And if he doesn't, I mean, how much conversation is going to revolve around that? But all of that, I think, can kind of be quieted by winning a playoff round, hopefully win a couple, and clearly, hopefully, end up with a Stanley Cup ring by the end of it. But start with step one, and that's win a playoff round. All right, what is the next New Year's resolution on your list? Make a splashy trade. Not Nick Foligno, not Connor Timmins, not who else have they added at the deadline. Not uh, Colin Blackwell. (laughs) None of these guys, okay? Ben Hutton. put Put some skin in the game here. Okay, and especially if this, if what you're saying comes to fruition, where this could be with another first round exit, Kyle Dubas's last shot, Brendan Shanahan's last shot with this team, then you know what? Go out swinging. Get rid of a first round pick or two. Get rid can of a they? highly rated prospect. I don't know if they can. Who knows? I don't. I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know the situation they're in. Quite frankly, I don't care. Just bring in someone that is going to make the rest of the league take notice. Yeah, like I, I agree with you, and and I believe they should do all of those things. And when I ask, can they? It's it's just will ownership allow them to do that mm-hmm. if they know, like, okay, if this doesn't work, though, like you're gone. So we don't want you to jeopardize the future of this club. So will they let them make those trades? I I, I would assume so. If not, what's the like? Then that would make them lame duck general managers and, and presidents for Shanahan and and for Kyle Dubas, and I don't think that helps anybody. So it sh- they should ha- not be handcuffed at all. They should be able to make whatever move they believe they need to make in order for them to win a, a round, a second round, and you know get themselves as close to possible as as winning a Stanley Cup or potentially do that. Um, you're right. They should be able to make that move, acquire that top six forward that they've longed needed to add into this group, upgrade on that defense. Um, and, and you know, I, I think the upgrade needs to be a significant upgrade. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen things like, oh, you could go and add, you know, uh, I don't know, like a middling type of player. But if he's not going to be a legitimate upgrade on, let's say, what they already have, like a Sandine upgrade. And maybe that's even including Sandine in this deal. I'm just going to use Jacob Trickman for an example since he's going to be in Arizona tonight. We'll get a chance to look at him. And I think he actually would be a decent addition for the Maple Leafs oh, yeah. on multiple occasions or for multiple different reasons. But like this is the type of trade where you look at it and you say to yourself, okay, I would be willing to include a Rasmus Sandine to make that upgrade because they already have seven or eight guys who are NHL quality so they don't necessarily just need to add somebody and then force one of their guys who are already in the NHL out of the lineup on the outside looking in they need to take one of their defensive players right now whether if it's Lilligren or it's Sandine maybe it's even a Connor Timmins I don't know if he has built up enough value yet but a upgrade on that specific player that's what they need to do. Include one of those pieces and upgrade 
and get yourself a guy like a Chikrin. That is what I think I, I want to see um, the Maple Leafs do, and that would be on my resolutions list. And then the final one that's on mine is get and then stay healthy. Let's have a healthy 2023 because the end of 2022 was not healthy. You had Jake Muzzin, who's still injured and out and probably going to miss the rest of the year. You had the injuries to both goaltenders early on. You had the injury to Morgan Riley. You had the injury to TJ Brody. Jordy Ben went down for some time. Uh, Nick Robertson is out for a couple of months. I mean, it was a tough start to the season in 2022. Hopefully in 2023, you can get and remain healthy the rest of the way. So good health will be the next resolution. I would give that to. I would extend that resolution to my avalanche um, because they <laughs> need it right now. Um, my third resolution for the Leafs, and this one's kind of uh, dependent on if they make it out of the first round, is just trust the process. Because I know if they don't make it out of the first round, and it looks like they're going to be playing Tampa Bay again, as as far as just what we're looking at right now, season ended today. Another matchup with the Lightning, another really good team, a, a team that has basically built a dynasty and is just going to be competing for cups for the foreseeable future. Um, so if you lose to them again, like I get it, changes are probably going to have to happen. But if you do beat them, make it past the first round, lose in the second round maybe, I, I'm sure there's still going to be outrage and people calling for jobs and trades and all things of that nature. Um, I would just still say trust the process because I just think that the way that they've built this team is going to eventually work itself out in the results that you're looking for, which is making it to a cup final, making it to multiple conference finals. Um, obviously, that includes keeping Austin Matthews, and that's the big like top-of-the-list thing to do. But I just trust in this vision. I like this vision from the top down, and... Uh, you don't really see teams that have a core four like the Leafs do while also still being talented pretty well everywhere else on their roster. Yeah, the Maple Leafs have 18 victories in the last 25 games and still have not really made a dent on uh, on, the on catching Boston. Like crazy. Boston, they both played 35 games this year. Uh, Boston has 59 points, Toronto 50. So nine points back of the Bruins, despite uh, a 22-7-6 record. The Bruins are 18-0-2 at home. They, they haven't lost a home game in regulation all season. It's absolutely absurd. Uh, they just they just don't lose. It's wild. Absolutely wild to me. Uh, so those are our New Year's resolutions for the Toronto Maple Leafs heading into 2023. Hopefully they can check all three of those boxes off uh, on both of our ends. And most importantly, the playoff round. Win a playoff round. All right, on the other side, we'll get back into tonight's game, Leafs and Yotes, uh, with Al's Brothers School of Degeneracy. I'm Mike DiStefano with Luca Celebre. You're listening to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Time now for Al's Brothers School of Degeneracy. Back to school. Back to school. Jackpot. Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards. Built by Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion. We got the Leafs entering Mullet Arena tonight for the first time as they take on the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, the Yotes have been pretty good in that building, as we were told by Craig Morgan. 
But I think that Toronto will be a little bit better. I mean, they've been played a lot better as of late when it comes to uh, opponents who are worse than them. They're just playing their game, and I expect nothing but the same tonight. Um, I expect for them to win this game by two or more goals. So a prop that I like, if I like that to happen, I also like Austin Matthews to score, and there's a performance bonus. Matthews to score a goal and the least to win by two-plus goals at plus 170. Matthews in Arizona, guaranteed to score a goal there. Also, the Maple Leafs, first of five shots in the first 10 minutes, paying minus 110. The Yotes give up the third most shots of any team in the NHL, and they generate the second least. The Maple Leafs, they're up at the top when it comes to uh, both of those categories, or up near the top at least. And then one that I like on the Arizona side, Travis Boyd. Former Toronto Maple Leaf to get an assist, paying plus 205. A's a former Leaf, so that always helps. But he's centering a top line playing about 20 minutes a night. He's got 10 of his 13 points have been assists. And he's playing on a line with Nick Schmaltz right now and Clayton Keller. Schmaltz on a 12, uh, a nine-game point streak where he's got 12 points in those nine games. Uh, so playing on a line with him, likely to get an assist. So I think plus 205 is just tremendous value. So those are my plays tonight. You can find all of those on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Lease and Yotes tonight, Luca. 9 p.m. puck drop. Right? Probably. It'll actually probably start just as the Canada-Austria game is, is coming to a close. You're, you're going to have a solid five, six hours of hockey if you're a Leaf fan. you got the junior game, Canada-Austria, 630 right here on TSN 1050. And they've got Leafs and Yotes puck drop around 9 o'clock. Should be a good night of hockey for Leafs and Canadian hockey fans. <laughs> or if you're an Avalanche fan, you've got Avs and Kings later yeah, on, too. nobody so. listening to this program <laughs> cares. It's no fair. one cares fair. what the people of Colorado think it's fair. to uh, steal a line from Brian Hayes. All right, Luca, that does it for us uh, here today. If you missed any of today's show, you can find it on TSN1050.c, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Mike DiStefano for Luca Celebre, a bar down. You've been listening to Leafs Lunch. No gameplay today, but Overdrive will be on at 4 p.m. Uh, but that does it for us here today. Thank you for listening to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050.